Hello and welcome to Global Sanctuary for Elephants podcast, Global Rumblings. Global Sanctuary for Elephants, or GSE for short, is a non-profit organization with a mission to create vast safe spaces for captive elephants where they are able to heal physically and emotionally, often from very traumatic pasts. I'm your host, Nadia Mari, and I'll be taking you to the lush jungle of the Mato Grosso region in central Brazil, home of GSE's initial project, Elephant Sanctuary Brazil. Currently home to six female Asian elephants, lovingly referred to as the girls. Hi, everybody. Welcome back and thank you for joining us again this week for a new episode of Global Rumblings. This week, we will be talking about Rambus trip from the airport to Sanctuary. So let's head over to Brazil to say hi to Kat and Scott. Hi, you two. Hey, Nadia. How are you? <laughs> I'm <Hi>. fine. <laughs> I can't actually believe it's already February. What happened to January? I don't know what happened the last year. <laughs> and talking, talking of February, it's the month of love. It's Valentine's Day, actually a day after this episode airs. So tell us about your Valentine's Day fundraiser. So we do a cute little fundraiser for Valentine's Day. A lot of the supporters really enjoy it. Um, when you donate, you can write a message to the specific elephant that you would like to give your food item to and we get edible markers from the u.s and we write little love notes all over different pieces of produce everything from carving hearts and watermelons to little notes on pumpkins and so on and so Aww. forth so it ends up being sweet and of course the girls love it because it's extra food <laughs> and it's food <laughs> that has an extra amount of love than normal so it's cute. And then we take videos Aww. and we share them after Valentine's Day so everybody can see what they got. Oh, that sounds very sweet. So I can have my message of love written on a watermelon and then have it gobbled up by my favorite elephant. Totally. Very sweet. But I also saw you've got really a limited edition um, Valentine's Day socks on your store. I haven't ordered them yet, I must admit. I hope I'm not going to be too late. So after we've done the <laughs> podcast, I will... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go and order them. Yeah, it was just a cute little extra thing they threw up on the store. Um, again, Valentine's Day tends to have a bunch of little cute things going on. So, yep. Oh, that's very lovely. Okay, let's pick up where we left off last episode. We'd arrived um, at the airport. The flight was easy. Uh, Scott and Laura, the vet, uh, had a rest. Rambo was through security and through passport control faster than you were. I remember you telling us you had to shrink wrap everything just in case uh, any any poo or wee was uh, flying around in the plane. So you loaded Rambo onto the transport lorry, I presume, and then you set off. And what happened then? Yeah, so the trip went started off pretty well. Um, Nothing out of the ordinary, a little bit of slow getting out of the airport, you know, with a lot of logistics and stuff and waiting for hay delivery and, you know, a lot of little things. Uh, but we ended up on the road. Everything was going pretty well. And uh, this is where my memory becomes fuzzy because I don't remember which day it was. I think it was maybe the first day, either the first or second day on the road and the truck broke down. 
Um, no. We're I don't, somewhere in Sao Paulo State still. And we were, they were trying to, we were going up a hill, uh, kind of a narrow winding road and trucks stopped moving. And it turned out that there was a traction pin that had been lost. And as we were there, it actually was pretty incredible. That's when we, one of the many times that we recognized the benefit of the federal police, the highway patrol that are with us. Mm. I mean, they were just so efficient of making sure everybody's safe, blocking off traffic, directing traffic. And out of nowhere, a uh, cattle truck came up and pulled in front of us and hooked us up to uh, some of the trains, the transport trains that we have. And we, he pulled us up the hill and pulled us to safety into a little tiny store slash restaurant slash private home slash I don't know what. They had like a weird little market, but only like 10 items. Um, and that's when we started putting everybody to work to bring water to Ramba because it was actually really hot that day. Uh, it was in the middle of the okay. afternoon, sunny, lots of pavement, and we were getting buckets and buckets and buckets of water to bring to Ramba while we were trying to figure out what we were going to do with the truck. During that time, the one of the drivers, there's two drivers of the truck, he went back down the road to see if there's any way we could find a pin. And okay. they did, actually didn't find that pin, but right where the truck was, there was another bolt that was exactly the same size. Uh, <laughs> I'm and joking. We were, I'm not joking. Exactly <laughs> what we needed. Not any, it is perfect. I mean, it could not have been more perfect. If they had not told me it was not the original <clears throat> pin, no one would ever, ever would have known. Uh, so we we're actually able to put that pin back in place, secure it and get right back on the road. So it ended up being about a two hour delay, you know, start to finish, mainly because of the time to get hauled up and then go back. And um, I think at some point during that, there was somebody else on, with us on the trip that got left behind. Um, <laughs> it was one of the one of several times that somebody in the car- caravan got stuck on the side of the road and we had to go back and find the person in the caravan. Yeah, it all worked out pretty well. Um, so the trip started off relatively good. It was a bit of a shock for Rumba. You know, coming from Chile, I, we talked about before the trip, it was pretty cold when we first got to Chile. Last day was pretty nice. And then we arrived to Brazil and it was hot, uh, especially in that part of the you're, you're reading my mind because I was thinking the first thing she must have like felt when she was unloaded from the plane was the warm air and then just the heat. So, so different. So apart from needing lots of water how do were you able to cool her down somehow yeah we you know there's a lot of ventilation when the truck is moving um you know oh, there's a lot of you know but the problem is when you break down the side of the road like that you don't have access to really anything you know they're in the middle of nowhere normally you uh plan on stopping at rest areas or stopping somewhere where you have access to hose and water we do have extra water on the truck uh, in the mm. event that something like that happens, we don't have a way to move. You know, we do have uh, equipment on the truck and like there's water on the truck and water. I mean, uh, buckets and hoses available. But uh, even with all, you know, the, the water we had available, it was still it's a big shift for an old girl who hadn't been doing mm. really well prior to the trip. So looking over, we have visiting cows again. They're not supposed oh. to be here. They're beautiful. Um, our neighbor's cows love our grass. Uh, wow. <laughs> they they tend are to, the fences up yet, so you haven't yeah. got any fences. No, this well they go right through the elephant fences. Um, you know, so they the cows find their way, and I think a lot of them are, are accustomed to visiting here at, at night when no one's watching. Uh, but now they're coming for the nice green grass today. Distraction. So yeah, we continued on the road. Everything was pretty good. Uh, she wasn't a hundred percent by any means, 
And as each day went on, I think it was about two and a half days because of some of the delays and you know this this little bit of a hiccup on the road, uh, stopping for a little bit longer than we normally would at night uh, because she was tired. Mm. She was clearly tired. Um, and then come the last day of the trip, she was exhausted. Uh, it's as tired as, as I've ever seen an elephant on a trip. And oh, wow. honestly, the most concerned I've ever been. And she was still okay. hot and she wasn't eating great. You know, they don't always, usually the first 24 hours is a little wonky. You know, they they usually drink well, but with food they can be picky or sometimes they don't drink well and they'll eat and they don't pick up on water consumption until they've already been on the road for a little while. It's different, you know, even mm. for circus elephants, most of them haven't traveled in years or decades, so... Yeah, You know, it takes them a little while to settle in and they do fine. And she was fine, you know, early on, but she just, she got so tired. A little bit of a struggle. And for, for new listeners who maybe haven't joined you on a rescue and maybe no rescues from, I'll say, Thailand, she's in her crate. She's not sedated. So it's not an open crate like in Thailand. And also you mentioned, I think, in another rescue, straps. So did she have straps under her belly to, so where she could rest? No, in this case, there was no straps underneath her belly. Um, you know, she, she can still rest. It's not like she had joint issues. A lot of times when okay. we have straps, it is, you know, if they have joint issues or if there's, you know, an extreme amount of exhaustion uh, where you think they might okay. go down. But the crate is set up so you can raise, there's like these little pockets in the floor that are recessed into the floor that the straps go in and they stay there. But if you need them, you can actually, from outside, you can crank them up so that they can act as support for an elephant if something happens along the way and it is more of an emergency and they do need that support. There's a lot of things designed into the crate for the imperfect scenarios that could possibly mm. exist and you don't want to have to use them but they are there it's the same thing with all the different ports we have that give you access if you were to need to do im injections or anything like that it's it's essentially designed for emergencies you know you don't want to have one and then have to try to figure out how to deal with a scenario that's popped up in the moment so just like the habitat you know we have yards separated and all of these things set up just in case you have elephants that don't get along or you know something happens in the fence that you need to repair you know it's all okay. set up for worst case scenario and then you just hope you never use those features oh okay well you had said that the, the crates are custom made and designed by yourself so obviously with the decades of experience that you have you have thought of every single Oh, not every single. No, don't say those words. That. Take it back. Constant <laughs> evolution. Take it back. Constant evolution. You know, on that learning curve, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and I think he said, I think I've learned more about the nuance of elephants and their communication in the last nine years, six years. How long have we been here? I don't when know. When did Maya come? <laughs> uh, since, you know, since since Maya arrived here, um, not just because of Maya, but because of the, what we have already learned. I think it set the stage for a new level of awareness here and what's coming with that, the education that has come with that is 
actually pretty substantial and much more profound than we would have anticipated based on all the experience that we have. And it just goes to show that the learning curve never stops. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. always a uphill trajectory of what we're trying to understand. And the same thing goes with the design implements. It all goes into what is designed into these uh, containers and the barns and the gates and everything else. It is a constant modification and, and evolution of, of elements that are beneficial. The crates are have a lot of interesting features. Uh, but okay. there's always more that we want to do and uh, new considerations to make them better. But it is, as Kat said, to design for the worst case scenario uh, with the hope that you never have to use them. You mentioned the open top containers that you see sometimes in Thailand. Uh, yep. Those are incredibly dangerous. I mean, mm. you just never know when an elephant is going to decide to reach up its tr- reach its trunk up or what they might mm. try to grab on the side of the road and people inside the crates. It's just... There's a lot of dangerous elements of that that, one, these elephants are not accustomed to uh, having that type of access to that many people. Um, and also, these elephants are not used to that type of transport. You know, that some of them have never transported in 50 years. You know, so mm. then to have an open top and this, there's an element of stress and wind exposure and sun exposure um, mm. that can be problematic, especially for elephants coming from more isolated captive environments. But I think Mm. the biggest difference is these are countries where there's also elephants walking down the side of the road, Mm -hmm. you know, whether they're wild elephants or accompanied by a mahout, you know, it's different. They can get out and they can stop on the side of the road. And I mean, at that point, they're still being relatively controlled. You know, someone will make sure they get out. Someone can make sure they get back in. I mean, we joke all the time when people are like, do you let your elephants out on the road? It's like, well, they would never come back. So no, <laughs> it's like, it, it's very different. They're not used to having somebody off of their shoulder who tells them where they can go, when they can go and what they can do. They mm-hmm. don't, it's very, very different. So if we were to open up a transport container, the elephant would just walk out, walk to the nearest tree, keep going, look for water, walk down the the freeway, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) But they certainly wouldn't be coming back. And again, in Asia, if an elephant decided it didn't want to come back right away, not a big deal. Everybody's used to elephants on the side of the road. Here, if we had an elephant that was walking on the side of the road, it would be a very big deal. So it's, it's, so different in so many ways but no they're stuck in the transport containers from when they are loaded until when they arrive so you said that uh, that you'd actually never been so concerned about an elephant uh, during a transport in about two and a half days so the last day was the day that ramba was was very tired is that then when did you arrive at the sanctuary you normally if i f- remember back to your rescues you often arrive quite late at night or at least the sun has already set yeah it's uh, normally the, the or in this case is the, the last day and a half was a little bit stressful particularly the last day the last leg of the trip and the last leg of the trip is actually the hardest it's when we start going down the dirt roads uh oh, yeah. to get to the sanctuary and we talk all the time you know the sanctuary is in a perfect location for everything except for transport of materials <laughs> and the last leg of it for transport and for elephants and internet, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's really idyllic you know it's really perfect uh, but the roads are not great and because of that it is slower and therefore it's going to be a mm. little bit warmer also uh, because there's not a, mm. not as much wind going through the crate uh, fortunately uh, for everybody uh, especially for Ramba a huge storm cloud arrived 
uh, storm turned, you know, sky turned black, black, black. We thought we were going to get completely doused with rain, uh, but it cooled off the air substantially. And you could see the next stop that we did. You could already see a little bit more levity in her. Uh, she was definitely feeling a little bit more comfortable. Okay. And it was getting later in the day, so the sun was not as intense. Uh, we always want to arrive a little bit earlier, but there's always delays on the road. Yeah. And there's always the, you know, the extra stop that we did with Ramba, uh, stopping longer than we wanted to at that last stop, the last couple of stops. Um, last few stops were longer than we had normally done, would normally do. Just trying to give her time to rest and trying to mm. cool her down and keep her a little bit more comfortable. And then once she seemed a little bit more settled, then we hit the road again. So uh, we arrived late in the afternoon, evening. I don't remember what time. It was late. It was dark when she stepped dark. off. Mm -hmm. uh, then we also got stuck <clears throat> on the road on the way here. <laughs> yeah. Coming into coming into the sanctuary property, uh, there's a lot of soft sand, and the truck slowed down at exactly the wrong moment. Um, oh, no. And got stuck in the sand, so then we had to get him out of the sand. And then uh, there was another little drainage ditch that he we had put in place, and the truck quite, couldn't quite navigate over top of that. So a lot of maneuvering right at the end. But she got here. All of us a little worse for the wear. I know <laughs> I was definitely exhausted. Laura was exhausted. Rumble was exhausted. Uh, but we came to a huge, 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 huge uh, greeting party from all the authorities from Chile. Uh, some of her caregivers from Chile were there. Um, uh, authorities from Brazil, from uh, different facets of the of Brazil government function. So a lot of huge welcoming party all waiting to see her. Uh, and it was just brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant to see her arrive, come out of that crate. <laughs> Hello. How fast did she step off the crate? I remember, I mean, Germany is six hours ahead. I remember being tired, so it must have been about probably midnight. And I think I just watched her arrive. I don't remember if I watched her stepping off the crate. And then the next morning I, I caught up. So do you, do you remember? I haven't watched any videos, I must admit. Do you remember if she came off straight away or...? Yeah, I mean, it didn't take long. It was, you okay. know, maybe 10 minutes, if that, oh, probably less. Yeah, well, everybody was reasonable for the most part, except for Pocha and Gishamina. They decided that they had all day. Um, <laughs> one side note with talking about, you know, elephants getting tired and stopping longer. You know, some people are like, why don't you just drive faster and don't stop and get them there? The thing with being on the road is they have to, because of the vibrations and the turns and stuff, they just use their muscles a lot more to kind of steady themselves. They can lean on the sides of the crates. It's designed. That's one of the purposes. Um, it's wide enough to be comfortable, but skinny enough that it's easy for them to lean on it without losing their balance. They don't have to step okay. to the side. They can just lean back and forth. So it really helps them a lot during the transport process. But it is that thing of when you stop, they don't have to balance themselves as much and they can relax their legs more and they can settle a little bit. So, I mean, we do let them determine how that goes. You know, there have been rescues, not here, where elephants did seem more anxious. And it is sometimes you skip a stop, you know, but with a lot of the grandmas, if anything, they just need some extra time to take a standing nap and not have to be on the road for quite as long so it ended up working out for her so mm -hmm. ramber is finally finally home after i think you said A in one of our recordings it, her entire journey or her entire rescue took nearly or spanned nearly 
20 years where you were actually only involved in the last part of, of her journey. So were you able to um, were you able to, to enjoy the moment or actually understand and, and grasp I mean, what was happening? Because after all, she was the reason why you founded Global Sanctuary for Elephants. I'm looking at Kat to see if you had any sort of feeling about that. I, I don't recall. I remember The night that she arrived was a little much only because, because it was the first international rescue that we had done. There yeah. were so many authorities. I mean, at one point we were having to talk to a group of like 15 people from Ibama and answering all these questions. And they weren't being negative. I mean, they were totally supportive, but they had questions about the habitat and what they eat. And, you know, the same questions a lot of people mm. have. But, mm. I mean, that was just one group of the like many, many groups of politicians mm. and people who were involved in getting her there and people who helped with fixing things with the flights and the airports and so on and so forth. So it was a lot. There were a lot of people there. I do remember being very happy for her shortly after she stepped into the barn. You know, she drank. She was picking up food. But then she went and dusted herself, which everybody does because the road's dirty. And then she got all cute and squishy with one of the big sand piles and decided to lay down for a nap and you could actually hear her snoring. And I think all of us (laughs) felt much better that she was she was there. She was safe and she was going to sleep off her exhaustion. And I think the other cute part was her caregivers were there. You know, Carolina was there. Kansu was there. I cannot think of the male caregiver's name. Diego. Mm hmm. Are you sure? Is it Diego? (laughs) He was there as well. Um, And they were sitting, we were all sitting together at the far end of the barn, not where she could reach anybody, but just out of reach, just quietly watching her. And they're crying and you could see how happy they were. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, I mean, initial happy, but it was a little bit of a couple of hard days for them. You know, you invest a lot of yourself into this being and she's wonderful but that's part Mm. of the problem she's so wonderful and she had opened them up in a way that they didn't realize would happen when working with an elephant and they just poured so much of themselves into her care and were so happy she was at sanctuary but then started to realize that that was going to be the end of the road as far as their journey with her so yeah i think for me they had to say goodbye yeah for me and that was just they weren't even ready to say goodbye yet. <laughs> you know, that was a couple of the days they stayed for a few, a couple yeah, of the days. That was days later. But that moment, it wasn't about the culmination of 20 years. That mm. moment for me was about the last six days, yep. you know, mm. that six days of, are we going to do this? Or are we not going to do this? Can she do it? Are we making the right mm. decision? Let's do it. Get on the road, airplane, off the airplane, get on the road, truck breaks down. I mean, all that stuff that is, mm. I mean, it's, it's a jam-packed amount of information and, and, and stress and, and anxiety and in a very short period of time. And then the last day and a half, I know what that was. And then when she, and when she arrives and immediately as you open up those doors, she just is like, okay, I'm home. You know, she just had this piece mm. about her. And I remember mm. Claire, who is, uh, was doing a, working on a documentary, filming a documentary about Ramba's trip. I remember her looking at me and saying, is this the same elephant? You know, not only is this the same elephant from, you know, six hours ago who looked so tired and frail, is this the same elephant as the one that arrived that we saw in Chile? Because she already Mm. looked even 
despite the road travel and the extra wear and tear, she already looks so much brighter and more content and more comfortable than she was those first few days at the park safari before the trip. And I mean, the reality is they can smell other elephants before they even get out of the container, you know? Okay. Other elephants have been in that barn, no matter how much you scrub, clean, dig out old dirt, it doesn't matter. The smell of elephants is everywhere. Um, and the vibration of elephants. Sure. You know, there's that energy that they bring to the property and the energy of the property itself. And, you know, there's no more dinosaurs. There's no more road traffic. There's no more vibration of highways. It is just, you, it's arriving back to nature. Hmm. Well, she was good. She napped. She got up. She drank. She ate. She napped again. While we all just sat there and stared at how cute she was. So she was all good with it. <laughs> yeah, I think you said in, a, in in other episodes as well um, that it is only after everybody has left, whereby maybe with this international rescue, maybe they were there, the parties for a little bit longer. But it is actually when everybody has left and the quiet sets in that it actually settles and dawns what's actually happened. And then you can enjoy and try to to grasp the last days of what has happened so maybe it was like that as well i think in this one for me because of the exhaustion it wasn't wasn't until the next day mm. and i think yeah. again this one was different because we had her caregivers with her um and we knew her caregivers it's not like you know we invite people from zoos that have elephants we always offer for them to not sometimes come on the journey but you know, or come separately and be at the sanctuary for arrival and see them there. And a lot of places don't want to. Some of the relocations, you know, the other party isn't super willing to give up their elephant. But, you know, these aren't people that you have a deep relationship with, really. And we knew Ramba's caregivers, at least Caro was her first caregiver. She left mm -hmm. for a little while and came back. And then Kansu had been with her for years. That's a five and seven year relationship, basically, that we had with them. And that we were talking wow. every day. Mm -hmm. So it's very different than just having somebody, another elephant's caregivers come. You know, it mm -hmm. was... It was... Family. Totally. Mm -hmm. And it was the concern for where they were at emotionally. Because the first night, everybody was just super happy. And I think the second morning is when it started to settle in with them that these few days were probably going to be their last. And it's almost like their mission is done, mm -hmm. which in mm -hmm. one way is beautiful. But, you know, that bittersweet element of it, I mean, they're so thrilled that she's finally here and that she made the trip. But then, as Kat's saying, that second day, and I think they were there for two days afterwards, you could feel the weight of what was going to happen you know, the weight of the, the, the saying goodbye when that was going to, when that was going to come. Yeah. It was the happy tears. And then you could see them shift a little bit to partially happy, partially sad. And at the very end it was, it was still happy. Like they were so happy when they saw her near other elephants and they were so happy to see her with Hana because they all know how much that meant to her. I mean, no matter how close of a relationship a human has with an elephant, and I mean, they were close with her. Ramba didn't have anything or anyone. They would sit in her barn and have tea with her and talk to her. I mean, they absolutely mm. adored her, but they still knew that what they offered her was nothing in comparison to what she was mm. going to get from another elephant. So they were so happy to see her 
you know, with Hannah and watch that interaction, but it was still hard for them and understandably so. I mean, you definitely give a piece of yourself to elephants when you work with them the right Mm -hmm. way. You know, you don't have Mm -hmm. to, you can be closed, but it's a two way street. And if you don't open yourself up to them, they don't open themselves up to you. And they did that as caregivers very much so. So it makes you a little vulnerable when it comes to having your heart broken a bit when it's time to walk away and say goodbye, even if you know Mm. she is in a better place and she has what she needs and this is all you've wanted for her. I mean, they had calendars marking down the days, you know, it was, it was really the days to her freedom. It wasn't the days to saying goodbye. It was the days to her freedom. It was all very, very positive. I also remember them saying, look at her, look at her, look at her, you know, multiple times because it was a different it was a different look in her face. Yeah. You know, I talked about Claire saying on that first night, on the first, yeah, the first night, but even when Claire got there the next morning, I remember she and, oh, I can't remember his name, other photographer, but he, they both like, how is this possible again? Look at her, look at that radiance. I mean, this is not even 24 hours after arrival, you know, after this trip where she was so exhausted and look at that radiance all over her face before she even met other elephants before she went into the habitat you could just see this complete shift in this magnificent being who is already in a rediscovery of life again Uh, she just Mm. was was completely completely different and the reality is her exhibit where she was in chile was nicer than most zoo elephants will ever have you know it's not Mm. we've taken elephants from some really Really not nice places but i mean not only did she have people that loved her but her habitat was nice i mean she had a couple of acres you know she had a pond she had all these things you know they would give her she did have ducks she did not like her ducks because her ducks liked her green um (laughs) you know they would cut her fresh grass and fresh brows and i mean she was so she's as well taken care of as she could have been. It's so different here. They need so much more. Yeah. And it's the quote unquote little things, you know, like everybody watching her and you could have heard a pin drop. Everybody's watching her the first time she was scratching on a tree. She had dusted herself. She got herself all muddy and she discovered itchy scratchy tree, (laughs) which is everybody's favorite tree after they first arrive at the sanctuary and has nice rough bark and Everybody goes and does like full body scratch, you know, it's (laughs) head, neck, shoulders, behind. They like lift their legs to get up into their armpits and their inguinal area. I mean, it is apparently it is an awesome tree and everybody just sat there watching her. And it is the things you don't realize are so significant that they are missing no matter what you try to offer them in captivity. But the thing, you know, and she had trees and she had water and well, she had pasture. She I mean, had two willow trees that she destroyed within the first year and everything else was on the other side of the fence. So she didn't actually have trees. No, but initially, but even if you compare what it was like for her those first days there from the from the circus uh-huh. going to the safari park. I mean, she was elated, but it was a totally different vibe still sure. compared to coming to the sanctuary. And it, there's just so much more that's going on here. And it's not just elephants that see it. People say it too when people arrive. Uh, when pe- visitors come, it can be authorities, you know, they all, you know, will say, you know, wow, I mean, it's amazing here. 
And it's as soon as they come out of the car, you feel the different shift in, in what it means to be in the sanctuary. And the elephants feel it so much more, it seems like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she also grew a lot when she was at the safari park. Yeah. You know, she learned to trust people. She yeah. learned to open herself up again in large part to her lovely caregivers. You know, she was kind of hard when she first arrived at the safari park. You know, she wasn't a quote unquote bad elephant. Um, she was very, very good. But, you I know, think- she was closed off and she definitely had some fear issues and. There was a lot to work through, so she changed a lot in those years too. I think it's interesting to watch, you know, this evolution because again, we're not starting from scratch. Normally, they're coming right out of the place where they're not listened to, where they're not, you know, truly treated well, you know, where they're not mm. respected. And she had that at Park Safari, you know, it wasn't enough, but she had an element of that. So as Kat just said, yeah. you know, her healing had had already begun, uh, and then mm. we can see this profound next layer once it starts mm. with, you mm. know, uh, exploration of sanctuary. So the magic. The, the magic of sanctuary just within the first 24 hours. That's maybe a good time to, to, to stop for this week. And then next week, because you already mentioned elephants can smell that there have been other elephants in the barn. So Ramba knew she wasn't alone. So maybe next week we can then talk about the first elephant she met and how she got on and, yes, her, her first steps into the yard. It's, it's just really wonderful that um, you, you are sharing this story with us, which reminds me, I forgot that last time in our last recording, it's a happy first anniversary to us because our podcast is actually one year old. We uh, aired the, the trailer at the end of January 23 and our first full podcast was then aired on the 7th of February. So yes, happy anniversary to us. Happy anniversary to you. And a big shout out. Yes, and a big shout out to our small but mighty uh, production team, which includes our wonderful producer and co-editor Bob, and also Sarah. So one year. So thank you all to all our listeners and supporters who are following along on the podcast. Until we meet up, then in two weeks' time, I'll say goodbye and yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Nadia. It's always a pleasure. Happy anniversary. Thanks for making all this possible. And we're so excited to continue this journey. Bye, Nadia. Thank you. Bye. So that wraps up this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then do subscribe and also check out GSE's fun Valentine's Day fundraiser. We'll link up to that in the show notes. Watch your favorite elephant gobble up your messages of love and friendship. And until we meet up in two weeks time, take care. Oh, 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 oh.